were better when we found horses. Is this man? Holy shit! Yes! <laughs> they saw a centaur and they didn't they didn't have time to ask questions. Horse knights that rode people? Here comes Krampus. Here comes Krampus. <laughs> Welcome to Centaur Stage. The premier centaur-centered podcast. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Andrew. This week, we're going to continue our conversation from women and gender diversity into global diversity, speaking about the whole sort of idea of centaur, horses weren't everywhere, where do centaur emerge, and how do we get to where we are now in our centaur discussions. Exactly. And this will enable us to really explore like what each animal might bring to the table, what cultures felt about hybrid animals, and sort of their their relationship to their literature and mythical beasts. Absolutely. And I think, as with the last episode, this is really the spot for us to kind of put out the disclaimer that we are by no means experts. Uh, we are enthusiasts <laughs> at best. And yeah. so this is going to be an incomplete list. This is going to be a Wikipedia list. Um, we tried to really get some resources and kind of pull some details, but please make sure and tweet and message us with any um, other centaur-like creatures that you know about, because that just makes our conversation more exciting. Yeah, and hit us with like what you think, why these creatures came up where they did, because I'm sure there's a lot of like cultural backgrounds we're not going to know a lot about, um, but we'd love to get that perspective. Sort of the starting point, a lot of these uh, global centaur goes back to sort of the mythic centaur that we've talked about in Greece and Rome, the idea of these different hooved hybrids being an allegory for man's beast-like nature, hence the Mm. proclivity for drink, sex, and war, you know? Um, So some of the examples below are not even specifically tar, but describe like ghosts, fairies, and other mythical creatures that reside in isolation in the woods and so they're often like the connections are drawn to centaur and fawn and satyr because they're like yeah they're these sort of like beast like characters they have like a they're really attached to the woods it's maybe a centaur it's maybe kind of like a centaur for this culture so yeah a lot of times that distinction is drawn even when they might not explicitly say oh this god or oh this creature is a half man half horse it's sometimes just like he lives in nature. Yeah, and and it's interesting, pretty much across all these creatures, I took a class on monsters once, and it seems like they're all just slightly outside of society, or they provide an escape from, like, the rules, or they, they give something taboo. So it not only expresses, like, the fears that a culture might have, but also, like, the hidden desires yeah. that you can only explore with these, like, beasts and or monsters, for lack of a better word. also interesting to sort of draw the, like, opposite end to the fears, um, Elizabeth Atwood Lawrence in The Centaur, Its History and Meaning in Our Culture makes this sort of opposite point citing the transformative power that horses had on society. Like, the fact mm. that we were now able to travel, we were able to, like, carry things more, like, you know, the development of the cart, the development of the chariot, which we'll get into a little more, all of those sort of transformed society for the people who had horses. And so mm. there was this, like, this companionship between man and horse that... um Lawrence is actually exploring the idea that that sort of the centaur 
concept more came out of our way of showing our unity um, mm-hmm. and bonding with this creature by developing the idea of the centaur, not as the centaur is the beast, but rather the centaur, like the Chiron, sort of as the mm-hmm. the model for that. And just that like yeah. centaur as the perfect way to show how we were better when we found horses. They're our friends. And horses were and better they... when they found us because horseshoes, even though we work them to death. <laughs> right. They give us like freedom and they help us out. They help. They helped our society to like expand and grow and change and we should thank them for that so the first sort of sighted um centaur-like creature actually comes from ancient babylonia um Mm. and it is for your life babylon do you know that song i do not that's um it's on chromatica (laughs) um so that's circa 1595 bce um and that this is where they're drawing the sort of original idea of the man horse myth um this is the Kassites, a specific group within babylon babylon that lived at that time um which is when the chariot and the horse came into being used in war so there was sort of a worship-based relationship between the Kassites and the horse um, because this was this brand new thing that, like, turned the tides for them. Um, mm. And so Kassites used these boundary stones called Kuduru, which would often have supernatu- supernatural figures um, depicted in cuneiform to sort of mark the edges of their territory, but also there was kind of like a spiritual protection Um, aspect to using them and some of them had man horse depictions which were believed to function as like a guardian spirit as like a hunter who would protect the edges of your land um and this centaur had two tails that of a horse and a scorpion and is represented drawing a bow with the end of five arrows in a sheath visible over his right shoulder and this is thought to be the origin of the sagittarius sign in astrology Hell yeah, Sages, rise up. That's so cool that um, as soon as chariots became a thing, they thought like we did. And we're like, we can make this more efficient. Just <laughs> throw them together. Combine them. But I like yeah. the, the reverence for the horse. Um, it mm. sort of speaks to last week when we were talking about, um, I think it was Serene, the like daughter of the Lapith King, and the idea of worshiping this person associated with this horse cult um Mm. and just sort of the idea of like respect and adoration for horses for all they do which we should do more of yeah um and then the other sort of there's these competing first origin stories um the other one dates from india and basically it was this idea of a earth cult who had the horse as a totem, which I think might be referring to Serene. Um, but because like the Greek myths often had folks traveling to far out reaches without really knowing like what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has a cylinder seal that was dated even earlier that seems to show a battle between men in the presence of centaur like creatures which could be the Battle of the Lapiths. 
But they also claimed that they sometimes looked more like half human, half tigers, um, which yes. develops into the idea of the Hindu goddess of war. And that's sort of the reference point they were drawing from. So okay, yeah. it's less from, clear. From a war standpoint, it seems like they, the horse, I mean, the tiger humans would be way better at fighting than horse humans. Yeah. So I sort of tend to agree with some of the scholarship that was saying that it seems the Babylon story is the first, but right. India does have a couple other times where um, horse hybrids come up. Um, Wait, hold on. It shows a battle between men, but the centaurs are just there, like, watching? I guess so. Well, if that's the case, if they're not actually, like, battling each other, then I feel like that would make more sense, that if it's, like, something that evolved into the Hindu goddess, the goddess of, of war, war because she watches like and... presiding yeah, yeah, over yeah. it. I, I see yeah. Um. So also in India, there was a legend about uh, this handsome Yadava prince who Brahmin mm. transformed into a creature having a horse's body and the prince's head, arms, and torso. So that's magic theory, baby. That is just like just Zeus making, making one. Yeah. Um, but what's, I think, more interesting is when you get into the Canaras, which is mm-hmm. half-man, half-horse mythical creatures from Indian mythology um, in various texts and sculptures. And it's the torso of a man where the head, horse's head is supposed to be, just like a Greek centaur. Um, and then they also, there was a couple spots where they said it was part human, part bird, part horse. But the chunk that I was looking at... Um, is specifically in the Sanskrit language, the name Canara contains a question mark. It like what? translates to say, is this man? Holy shit, yes! Which That's is exactly like... how we feel. Is this a pigeon? Um, <laughs> That's the butterfly. Where, <laughs> where, yeah, so it's, and they sort of suggest that it was like a misunderstanding that they saw them as half man and half horse when they actually are half man and half bird. So there's some conflation happening there. Um, Wait, why does it say, is this man? Like, that's such a broad question. Well, that's, is it like, they explored, they saw a hybrid and they were like, I'm confused. Is this man? Like, it's just straight up like, that's what the name Asking means. a question. Yeah. What, what if it's like, is this man, like, what man really is? Like, is this revealing something about man's nature? Maybe. Um, We're flighty, like birds. Like birds. But we, we are we easily give spooked, our, like horses. Ooh, we give into our desires too easily. Yeah. Too drawn to being horse-like. Um, they're also, according to some belief, the Canaras are fairies. Whoa. Which is great. But... Again, this is where uh, research really answered some of the questions we had. They were shown and noted for having a mutual love and devotion in pairs. So the idea of the centaur relationship. Um, and the uh, Canaras are also noted for having a long life. So that brings that back into question. But the Canaras are also exciting because there was a specific and explicitly stated group of women Canari as well. Yes. So exciting because they actually like answered that question they really said no 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 it's like a whole breed like a whole species women are explicitly a part of it thank you thank you for thinking through it for once and not just being like dirty sluts like the greeks were sorry greek people (laughs) 
the ancient Greeks. The ancient Greeks, of course. So in Russia, there is the Polkin or Palkin, which is a half human, half horse, or in some variants, half dog. I'm interested in exploring that. Um, creature from Russian folktales which possesses enormous power and speed. I'm going to make another musical reference, Balaga. Also a War and Peace reference. <laughs> How um, powerful he was because his horses were really fast. Yeah, it's interesting that like there seems to be a lot of confusion surrounding Centaur, which I guess makes sense because like, they probably yeah. weren't seen a whole lot because they're not real. It's interesting that there's like, oh yeah, like this is a bird human centaur or maybe a, a human horse centaur. And here it's like, maybe it was a dog, maybe yeah. it was a horse. Like those aren't really things that you mix up. But like, I I get it. I think we understand this because our whole thing is like, you think of a centaur, everyone might have a different yeah. idea of what that means. Like it's so easy to just assume certain things. And we don't really know why people assume certain things about the centaur and especially lives. Especially if it's known or... for being especially speedy, you maybe only yeah. see it like moving and you're like, oh, horses move fast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm worried about it running though. Cause... Why are you saying like, see it? You like you see it. it? Yeah. <laughs> and that's how the, or that's, where the mistake is. Or you see something see it. and it's like what you mistake, but because it's moving quickly, it's not like you have the time to really be like, oh, is that a dog paw or a horse hoof? Um, these are interesting because they really look exactly <laughs> Wait, like Wait, stop, centaurs. stop. No. Why are you talking like it's like, like these origins just came from people seeing the same thing? Because that's real, Rebecca. The centaurs? Yes. And then they get confused and think, oh, maybe it was a dog. Yeah. I just think it's neat. Yeah. That like, and and maybe it is sort of along those lines or we've talked and we haven't talked. There's that thing in like, like the medieval art where it was like drawing like what camels, giraffe, what was mm -hmm. it? It's like something that they were only like had heard about. And so then it oh, sort yeah. of gets more and more conflated as people try to sort of like interpret what they understand. So, yeah, it's probably yeah. something like that of, like... There's, like, some fucked up whales in some yeah. Renaissance art because no one knew what they looked like. So, it's probably along the lines of that, but I think it's interesting. And yeah, I specifically, they saw a centaur. Yeah, they saw a centaur, and they didn't They didn't have time to ask questions. Yeah, and um, they didn't, like, describe them very well. And so the people drawing them were like, okay, I'm going to take some liberties. Yeah. So, and He's going to look a little bit like a dog because I can't draw horses that good. <laughs> I specifically pulled like centaur, like mostly as horse adjacent as I could for this. So there's mm -hmm. obviously like there's tons and tons of hybrid examples. I mean, the fact that we've already talked about bird humans and dog humans, but mm. I really wanted us to mostly stay in that tar realm today right? because the main th reason we wanted to explore this was, you know, our centaur across the globe, even before horses are. So. Right. That is fascinating yeah. that we just like want to make these creatures that are similar to us, but offer some either battle or advantage or friendship. Yeah. I like how in the Polkin, he first appears as an enemy, but after a battle becomes his loyal friend and ally. Yeah, to this hero in this story. That That's pretty is... neat. That's duality. You know, you're talking that's about... Cool. That's, like, good lore. That sounds stuff. like a superhero story. Like, someone who is the enemy... Enemies to lovers trope. <laughs> it's the enemies to lovers trope. Yeah, a dog or a horse person. <laughs> but it's a, a dog or a horse 
person. Polkin is originally based on Pulicane, a half-dog character from Andrea de Barberino's poem, Irelia de Francia, who was once popular in the Slavonic world in prosaic translations. I don't know what any of that means. I don't know why you read it. I don't know why I pasted it. Because it was it was here on the dock. That's you fair. pasted it. I wanted to appear smart. Well, here's Greece. <laughs> Finally. The one that <laughs> knows something about. Take it away. Uh okay. The Hittites, which controlled much of Anatolia. Oh, I really want to make another great comment reference. Can't you only one in in present day Turkey to and neighboring regions between sixteen fifty and twelve hundred BC may have brought the centaur to Mycenaean Greece through their trade relations with the Mycenaeans. I like when culture is traded during like business transactions. Yeah. It's like here you want you want some of our spices? Here, take a centaur as well. And so take the concept of a centaur. What's interesting is you do see like they were probably having conversations and then you get a little bit broader and a little bit broader and that that's sort of where you get this like carrying out of the conversation. Like I couldn't really get any information about like centaur like like creatures in the americas like i didn't find anything but mm-hmm. that it was very present throughout eurasia and then there's also the theory that we've established before that they might have just come up with the concept in greece independently from seeing a person riding a horse for the first time and being wildly confused by this invader who is a <laughs> centaur what is this beast and greece had a lot they had a lot of centaur uh, adjacent folks. So um, the Ipotane looked overall human, but had the legs, hindquarters, tail, and ears of a horse. Which, hmm. remembering back to our episode two, big round ass and a swishy tail. Yeah. And some ears. Um, and ears. And I some like that. were just more human like. Like they didn't have the legs, but. What's really interesting is when you get into the language of it, in the Greek, um, Ipotane... Is that like where Hippocentaur comes from? Not the, Oh, maybe. Oh, it looks like it. Like Ipotane. In the Greek, Ipotane... Oh my god, this was something that we said on the first episode, and I was like, why is it called Hippo? Mystery solved. Ipotane means knight. Um, and so they're uh-huh. like, yeah, you know, like knights ride on horses. But it can also be used as an adjective... And so it's describing mm-hmm. horse knights that rode people. Wait, what? <laughs> That's Wait. from the Wikipedia. What? Wait, Hold I'm going on. back. I wanna... Horse knights that rode people. Ipotane. Yeah, give me a second. I don't. I don't understand what what they're saying. In Hippotos, Hippotes Leos, horse knights that rode people. The definition given about above would fit horse people, um, which is sort of what they're drawing the Greek into. What? Okay, wait, but this is like, they're using this as an example sentence, like how it would be used as an adjective. Yeah. Horse knights how that rode riding, people. How are they riding? I don't know, but I liked it. It, it really felt centaur adjacent to have horse people riding wait, people. Wait, is it like... Horse knights that rode people? Like the people horse knights rode? <laughs> I don't know. Horse knights I that like rode the visual. People. I like the visual 
of like kind of like like you know a rook is it a rook no it's a knight no the knight stupid. yeah it's a horse yeah it's a, the knight like is a horse, horse but it's called a knight and maybe it's right it's like looks like that so it's like a bojack uh-huh. horseman looking knight that's riding like just a regular person into battle <laughs> Yeah, that's my visual. I, I'm really having trouble parsing this sentence. It's okay, we don't horse knights that roads people because it's saying it's used as an adjective. Horse knights that road people. Horse knights that road people. Horse knights. How long do you want to do this? That road people. How long do you plan to do this? I just you really threw me for a loop, and I don't I don't understand because it says the definition given above would fit another Greek horse people. So it's suggesting that people is the noun. Yeah. Why isn't it just horse night people? Why is that road in there? It is It is confusing. Because, yeah, no, I'm I mean, like, they're upset. saying, like, it's basically the same letters, but because, like, the Greek could have two different translations, they're saying, like, this is what it basically means, horse people, which would be the idea of, like, you look like you're riding a horse because you're a centaur, but mm. I don't know. Okay. So, and then we have the hippopotus. Um, which appeared in both medieval bestiaries and Greek mythology, which was just a race of humanoids with horses' hooves. Um, that's it. Humans? Humans with horse hooves. We have that presented seems... the al- alternate idea, which was a horse with human feet. Um, this seems mm-hmm. more effective. It's kind of like a satyr, but mm, yeah. you don't have the weird legs. It, it also seems like the devil, like how the devil's kind of depicted like a goat man. That's true. Like, it seems like it's evil in some way. That probably is originating from the same idea of, like, beast as bad. Probably. Oh, I can't wait till we get to Krampus. And what was also neat was that the satyr, which I also, I always thought was goat-legged, apparently Mm. originally was horse-legged and horse-eared, differing from the Roman fawn, which was always goat-legged, but Mm. it became more sort of human-looking um, as it developed, I think because of how it was being used in stories, like the satyr interacting with humans and demigods and such, they brought it more right. into the human realm. And as it became more associated with Pan, who was explicitly mm-hmm. goat-legged, it became more goat-legged satyrs. I think our perception of a satyr from a modern-day perspective is tainted by Mr. Tumnus. Who? You say who? I said who. Mr. Tumnus. I'm not familiar. Narnia. Oh. You know Narnia? I, I now know what you're talking about. I didn't know his name. I never read the book. Mr. Tumnus. Okay. I You never saw the movie? Come on. I, I saw, like, the clips. Come on. It's James McAvoy. Uh, I think everyone had a crush on him because okay. he was a very nice satyr man. And I think that corrupted our modern idea of satyrs as inherently chaotic and evil, usually. Mm, I can see that. And so, I can't believe you don't know who Mr. Tom is. I just didn't know his name. Goodness gracious. But can you picture him? Yeah, I know what he looks like. You know his, like, kind eyes? Yeah, and he wears a scarf. Anybody who wears (laughs) a scarf can't be mean. He wears a scarf and no shirt. Yeah, that makes sense. And his ears stick out. He has... He has goat ears. Well, yeah, because he's he's later in. It's become much mm. more goat-legged, the satyr. Um, okay. And finally, to end out the Greeks, the early drawings of hippocentaurs, uh, a demon-given human form in ancient Greek myth, would wear was showing men 
wearing fetishes of hindquarters of horses. So like why why is the word fetish? That's what it there? originally means. Is like like a like a sacred object thing. A fetish is a sacred object? An inanimate object worshipped for its supposed magical powers or because it is considered inhabited by a spirit. I knew that. Holy shit. Factitious. Factitious. Facticious. So, um, (laughs) but they would wear the fetishes of hindquarters of horses joined at their waist, which is literally, they were wearing a centaur costume. Mm. And these would be used in crop and fertility rituals and then later became depicted as like actually joined centaurs so that's another suggestion of sort of where it comes from why is it a demon maybe that where they were i guess they were talking to the demon because the demon would be the hippo centaur i don't know man but it says like they're dressing yeah. up like this demon why would you want to dress up like so a he demon? brushes your crops or maybe so he stays away from your crops Mm. Papa gay don't come around me like that like that part of once on this island you just it's like you're trying to get more musical references in and yet we still it's just the only way i can I'm understand so upset the world. that we didn't come up with best little horse house in texas it's like shocking to me that, that, that didn't cross our minds sooner <laughs> this is our fan <laughs> this is our fan im really yeah is that is that the that's at? the at, the at is Imrilion slash a person named Renee on Instagram shared with us, oh God, yes. (laughs) The appearance of human-animal hybrids predate secular religion, and we know it. For example, horns in the Celtic tradition and hooves, like the satyrs you spoke about, and we did just speak about them again, were images of power. Many holy men and kings either wore crowns or antlers, crowns of antlers, or were depicted as such. Um... The actual origin of the centaurs was to describe a tribe of horsemen from the Mediterranean who were almost born to the saddle. Ooh. The tales people would tell, coupled with the penchant for bronze-aged people to use anthropomorphism as a way to explain or describe power, meant you had exactly that. All the power and speed of a horse coupled with the fighting prowess and shooting ability of a human. It's extremely intriguing stuff. That is. I like how he confirmed some things that we've learned and gave us another explanation why people might have come up with them around the world. It's just, you know, everybody loves an all-in-one. Pack it all together. Make Mm -hmm. your life easier. Um, Right. So, yeah. So, thank you, Imrillion, for sending us that. Mm -hmm. As always, helping us with our research makes the centaur stage so much more exciting for us because it means we get to discuss more stuff i like i like the crown of antlers yeah i like that you know what that is that's our christmas episode when we talked about them dressing up as reindeer vikings also had some depictions of centaur on their ships uh in the 1000s common era genuinely couldn't find any more information about that but (laughs) It, it was yeah. Sense, like, it was just... sort of this intimidation thing, and they were talking about it like in reference to medieval Europe, and so that like seeing these invaders with the centaur created sort of a lot of the bad connotations that I guess then mm. get put away when we write a podcast about them. Thematically, it makes sense that Vikings are into centaurs. Like I can't explain the connection, but it's there it's in my brain. They're they all and vibe I think like together. you know Vikings are very 
adjacent to the Celtic area, so it could be a lot with that same sort of idea of, like, the power symbol associated with being both mm. man and horse. Right. And to speak of medieval Europe... Uh, yeah, I would love to talk about this. The Anno Centaur, part man and part donkey, became popular during the Middle Ages, and it's de- depiction in bestiaries, mm-hmm. specifically two legs of It horse. wasn't a true centaur. Um, it would only be the, the hind two legs and the body of the, of the horse, or the donkey, <gasps> then meeting the human. It's wild. Doesn't... Um, Okay, so wouldn't that be unbalanced? I mean, yeah, it's medieval Europe. Everything was unbalanced. <laughs> yeah, they didn't really understand depth <laughs> very much in their art, it seems. They couldn't conceive of it. Why donkeys? I don't know, but it did seem to suggest <gasps> that this is where we get the phrase half-assed, which is so exciting to me. Oh my god. Th- okay, so this guy that I'm looking at looks like a satyr in his face and facial hair and it's, it's like the positioning that really okay. gets me like they're not doing like the satyr yeah. where it's like an upright with the legs of a goat or a horse which honestly right. when it's the legs of a horse in this early satyr i'm really confused how that joins because like horse legs do not move like human legs um but in this right. situation so we're looking we're talking at like a man with his arms as legs. yeah it's only a like four leg a four-limbed creature and mm-hmm. it's like Two legs donkey, two arms human. Like, it seems bad. But... It's very animalistic. Yeah, it's, again, this is all coming out of that medieval Europe. It was very, like, heavy Christianity and this idea of sort mm-hmm. of, like, pushing away at, like, this, yeah, this beast-like, again, talking about man's, like, dual, but in this case, negative nature. Not the way that Ovid was really excited about, like, the dual nature of humanity in this, like, we can be both civilized and like uncivilized this is like this is bad this is these are bad things yeah this looks evil and i mean the christian devil again being depicted usually as part donkey or whatever but no not donkey goat why donkey though because donkey jesus rode on a donkey yeah he made them holy maybe it's supposed to he made maybe it's intentional that it was sort of like a like saying sort of it seems like unholy almost, no but like almost making it like an antichrist like the honest centaur as an antichrist oh. by saying like it's literally like man and donkey like the thing that mm. we worshipped when he came in we we mm. laid palms that the donkey wouldn't even touch the ground and doing like the right. exact opposite that could be a really strong right. stance to take especially in medieval europe i like that um i like but that at the same time because it is their in medieval fears. europe they were also putting chiron in medicine books as like like he mm. was like like the little like em- like emblem right. on a book and so there was this like positivity in saying like yeah like you know a man of studies they were really confused um yeah they couldn't get their shit straight huh but you know it was there um mm. and we talked last episode about the anjate um the filipino or the filipina female human and lower body of legs of a horse which was really exciting. Um, but the the Anjate also has the Tikbalang. It sounds like very French how you're saying Anjate. I feel like it might be Angate. I have no idea. Um, okay. I apologize, I guess not in advance, because I've already pronounced so many things in the you past two episodes. I apologize oh, for pronunciations, but um, 
we wanted to make sure to share what we could find, um, and pronunciations were not something that I found. Mm. So, but please tweet us if we uh, tweet us butchered this. Let us know how we fucked Tell up. Tell us how we <laughs> fucked up nicely, please. Yeah, with love. But the Tikbalan or Tikbalan, which also is known as the Werehorse, awesome. Yes, is a creature of Philippine folklore said to lurk in the mountains and forests of the Philippines. Again, this sort of outsider creature that often mm. seems to be centaur adjacent. Mm. It is a tall, bony, humanoid creature with the head and hooves mm. of a horse and disproportionately long limbs. Oh, no. That the knees reach above its head when it squats. What? Yes. Wait, what? Yes. No, Horrifying. I hate that. That's really um, spooky. And so the origin myth here that they're sort of drawing from is that it's believed to come from India, specifically mm-hmm. the god, I believe, Hayagriva, who, mm-hmm. or I guess the, the avatar Hayagriva, which is the horse-headed avatar of the god Vishnu. So there's a point where Vishnu presents himself as a horse-headed entity, and so it's thought that this sort of morphed into what then became this werehorse. Um, so scary absolutely terrifying idea <laughs> love it thanks so thanks for that image. that's what we were able to find of like horse-based like centaur adjacent mm-hmm. really drawing on horses and i guess donkeys um but like we've talked a lot already about like satyrs and fawns because they've sort of felt hand in hand to our conversations so i also drew yeah. some sort of global goat depictions of goat yeah goat adjacent so in ireland there is this again sort of entity not necessarily like a god but ducios who is sort of associated with pan again they don't in the research i was doing which wikipedia and some other articles but mostly wikipedia i didn't see them explicitly say that it was goat like but it was sort of like nature being similar to pan's nature the the connections get made and then you sort of continue to do that until it establishes this idea of the creature being goat-like. So mm-hmm. there's a couple spots where that's like, it's not really ever stated, but that's why it ended up in this conversation. Okay. So there's also, um, in Hebrew, there's the Seirim or Seir. It sounds kind of like Seder and they're often compared uh, a little he goat and it's unsure where it came from or what the word's original meaning might have been. Um, but they're a kind of demon, understood as demons. Um, there's also the Shedim of Hebrew tradition, which is kind of a demon, but also not evil. It's not explicitly evil. They're just like powerful forces that aren't God. So that's kind of interesting. Mm. They're they're similar to like they have some kind of powers spiritually. And there's also the jinn of Arab culture, which they are often compared to as well. In the Slavic tradition, uh, Leshi, uh, which translates mm-hmm. to he of the forest, this being that was said to have shape-shifting abilities. And so beyond that, it didn't explicitly say like was goat-like or horse-like, but the idea of man who can become animal, kind of in that same sort of frame. That's lazy. Slavs do better. <laughs> 
do better. Do better Wikipedia. <laughs> Find us more centaurs. the forest with shape-shifting abilities. Yeah, but that's like, then it can just be anything and our discussion is useless. Yeah. Because we, we can't analyze it. Um, we talked about the the Glaistig. Yes, in the last Gla- episode. The Glaistig. Goat lady who is ghost. A ghost. Ghost goat lady. Ghost. Ghost goat lady. Goats ghost. who drinks blood. And she drinks blood. And is kind but of it's a also siren. nice. And uh, likes milk. Nice to kiss. Which is cool. Hates travelers. Um, <laughs> I like that song. And oh my gosh. Take it away. My, my favorite dude. Here comes Krampus. Here comes Krampus. Right down Krampus Claus Lane. <laughs> Krampus is uh, from Germany or rather Central Europe, but mm, most notably from Germany. Uh, he's a goat man who is a half goat, half demon. I like how it's half goat, half demon. Like, human is not involved. Not here. a question. It's. It, kind it's anthropomorphic how we see it but it is not composed of anything human <laughs> so at christmas time you got jolly old saint nicholas coming down that chimney he's coming here with gifts um but if you are a bad child you're not getting coal no 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 you're getting krampus krampus is coming into your house putting you in his sack and beating you with a stick <laughs> is that just for human children like if we're talking about yes well if we're talking about like other like centaur species krampus mm-hmm. is sort of a a centaur adjacent what does he does he do the same stuff with like centaur kids and satyr kids or do they have a different um, german demon to beat on them with sticks i think in a world where centaurs exist krampus does not factor into the mythology because we are not as scared as like anthropomorphic animals yeah i feel like a lot of these sort of like ideas of the mythic hybrid creature would be less like the most terrifying thing they could come up with because we're like "Eh, centaur he lives down the street yeah this krampus really does look like the devil usually um (laughs) he's uh yeah he has his sack he swats children with his, his, uh, what are they called? Switch? Is it a switch? That tracks. <laughs> um, and sometimes he takes them to hell. Oh, that's cash. So, watch out. Like, I'm a little concerned. Do we know if there were, there was actually the practice of putting children in sacks, like, they were like, oh, Krampus is going to get you. But it's just like some adult would put a child in a sack and be like, it's Krampus. The way they would like dress up like Santa to put presents under the yeah. tree in case a kid got up. That's, that's what I'm worried about. <laughs> Luckily, the only depictions I'm seeing of people dressed as Krampus have been like cosplaying conventions and stuff. I'll hope it's stuck, it's or, stuck like, with that. Weird, weird nerd people. Yeah, I don't think that Krampus is practice today krampus in it's a post-centaur more just world. yeah it's uh oh krampus love oh my gosh yes young men dress as krampus it's a run it's like um santa con <laughs> but in alpine towns there is krampus love which is krampus run hmm. and uh everyone dresses up as krampus what a treat young men do um i don't need any more 
reason to be afraid of young men, so I will not be attending. All right. And then to sort of wrap up, like, because we wanted to talk about, you know, this global diversity of centaur, because Mm -hmm. if they're here, they're everywhere, just as humans are all over except Antarctica for now. It was interesting to me. I was looking into, like, the taxonomy and, like, evolution Mm -hmm. of specifically horses because we're dealing with like a horse hybrid horses right are in the equine family with donkeys and zebras so pretty believable if we're going to go with you can make a centaur with a horse donkeys and zebras 100 percent on the table um mm-hmm. what gets interesting is if you want to like take it out because i was like okay well like where do goats fit into this because we've sort of established that goats are like a part of this and in right. our conversations earlier regarding this like idea of the um global diversity we talked about like what about camels what about llamas like what about these other creatures in other areas so Mm. i went looking to sort of figure out like how far removed are those hooved beings from horses like how how far are we talking if we're saying like yes these are both on the table so within the order that contains horses are what's called odd toed ungulates Mm -hmm. um and what that is referring to is that um, all of these within the order have like a five like toes, but odd-toed ungulates um, only use one toe as their primary place that their weight is pus- placed on. Mm-hmm. So if you think about like a horse and its hoof, that so that that is the place where like the pressure is put, and the others mm-hmm. are either vestigial or like face backwards in certain animals, or just they're not doing the heavy lifting, as opposed to even-toed ungulates who the, the weight is placed on two toes. So odd-toed ungulates um, include the equine family, so horses, donkeys, and asses, rhinoceroses, and tapir. So that's your sort of next degree of separation from the just like horse, donkey, zebra centaurs, is rhinoceroses and tapir. Already pretty exciting stuff, as far as I'm concerned. I think it's just taper. Taper? Okay. Yeah. Taper where? <laughs> I, already, I hardly know her. <laughs> Doing what? But mm-hmm. what's interesting, right? And if we're going to make the claim that we believe centaur and fawn to be present, then we need to take it that sort of sister step over. So we're not going out another taxonomical taxonomical class we're going to the next order over the even-toed ungulates so cloven hoofs cloven hooves cloven cloven feet that's as they're often known so you got giraffes camels llamas deer we've talked about all of these before we sort of established like we assumed those were options on the table right Mm -hmm. you got your goats you got your sheep we've kind of alluded to that kind of alluded to cattle as an option for a centaur i wonder if the the goats and stuff is seen as evil because of the cloven foot maybe it also would raise the question if like if the even-toed ungulates would be two-legged if that's the reason why satyr are two-legged and centaur mm. are four-legged maybe because of the balance points i mean i'm trying to imagine a pig though this is where i'm getting so yeah Pigs, hippopotamus, are also even-toed ungulates, and mm. 
whales are within whales the class. do not have feet. Their tail, which evolutionarily evolved from... Those are not they toes. Come, come on. They come from the same... Or, like, the same species they diverted from. Whales are also within the order of even-toed ungulates. And are the okay, most closely me... related to hippo. That's not a... Okay. How would human connect to whale? It's a mammal. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. How would whale connect to human? Are you talking... Oh, you were talking physically. I thought you meant, like, intimately. And I was like... Oh, my God. A chat, God. a conversation... How would they physically? No. I think it'd be sort of akin to like a mermaid, but for a mammal. Big. Just big. And it could be like an orca. Like that was one of the. That's still pretty big. So are horses. And we've like let that go. Wait, dolphins are mammals. Are they related? It didn't come up. Okay. Useless. You know what? <laughs> you did the research next time. Okay. Um, but I think that's really exciting because if we're going to make the yeah. statement that like goats and horses are options, then the conversation extends to say that a whale centaur is a viable option and that it is a centaur, not a mermaid, which like makes yes. sense because it's a mammal. But like, I think that's really cool. I don't know. I'm really mm-hmm. excited by the idea of a whale centaur. Yeah. Yeah. You, If you could illustrate that for me i might hop on board. i will do my best i don't think it'd be at a a right angle centaur the way that the standard centaur is i think it'd be more akin to like like a mermaid or like a satyr i guess you know i'm interested in the idea that that the even toed ungulates i know that pigs are weird and hippopotamus are weird maybe they just like thick legged creatures but that like yeah short that like short, short tars go like that makes sense that that because I always was confused why those have two legs, but centaur have four legs. So mm. if it's the the difference between the odd-toed and even-toed ungulates, that that gives me an explanation. Maybe not a great one. Yeah, it's the balance. But it's it gives me an, an explanation, and I think that's kind of cool to now say moving forward that like we're gonna just we're gonna yeah we're gonna assume that horses, donkeys, asses, rhinoceros, and tapir all have four legs when they fuse with a human, but those even-toed ungulates. Nah, that's two legs, baby. <laughs> that giraffe. Oof. Oh, yeah. Oof. Stilts. <laughs> so, I'm really excited we finally got this underway. Um, again, we've been talking about doing uh, women and global diversity for literally weeks. So, I'm really excited <laughs> that we were able to start this conversation. I think they mm. will develop more. Um Please send us if you know about other examples of tar-like creatures in global mythologies and art. Send them our way because, like, we can absolutely, we'd love to do a follow-up and talk about more we've learned. Um, Thank you for listening to Centaur Stage. Next week, we're going to be talking about uh, centaur leisure and culture. What do they do for fun? Mm-hmm. We've talked about them as a society, but what do they do when they just want to, like, chill, hang? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, you can let us know your opinions and questions at Centaur Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, and email us at centaurpodcast at gmail.com. And as we always end things here on Centaur Stage, don't <laughs> a horse. Clip-clop. Clip-clop. <laughs> <laughs>